Hey, this morning, I want to just have a, a, a little bit of a poke at our sense of anticipation and expectation, uh, particularly based around the celebration of the birth of Christ. Uh, but I, 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 it's, it's very easy. I think one of the, the greatest things that we battle with as followers of Jesus in this present age that Paul says is actually corrupt and broken, but yet the the kingdom of God continues to break into and establish the truth of Jesus. One of the biggest things we have that that kingdom breaks through and that we have to contend with is just cynicism, the cynicism of our culture, the cynicism of our culture, and not only the cynicism of our culture, but when we don't see the kingdom of God breaking in like we think it should be, our flesh often wants to agree with the lying work of the enemy and we establish these little strongholds, as Paul would call them, in our thinking and in our heart that, well, nothing's really going to change anyway. Or some of us maybe even have the T-shirt, you know, been there, done that. Some of us may have even turned up here today not really expecting anything to change about our life or circumstance. And in fact, we may be even in a place when we arrive today, it's like, why am I even bothering to come here? That stuff. That's the spiritual dynamic in which you're living life. And it's into that stuff that the gospel of the kingdom of God wants to deal with. And be good news into that situation and circumstance. Uh, if, you, if you do have your Bible with you, I want you to open it up to Luke's Gospel, and we're going to read from it in a minute. And, and just as a little precursor to uh, where we pick up in verse 26, I'm going to read to you verses 1 through to 4 of Luke chapter 1. And the reason why I'm doing that is because it was a real bloke in real time who had a real encounter with the living God, Jesus, who thought he should write something down because he knew, he knew that if, if there wasn't an account written down of what has actually transpired in the earth, then the cynicism of the enemy and the brokenness of man will want to discount this gospel of good news. See, Luke, Luke didn't just write this because he was half asleep and all of a sudden the Spirit fell on him and he was inspired. No. Let me read this to you. Verse 1 of chapter 1 in Luke's gospel, um, it says this. He says, many, and he's, he, he's, a, he's, no, he's no dill, this guy who's writing. Okay, he's no dill. He's an intelligent person. He says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those from whom the first eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, in other words, you know, Luke here He's got his CSI, you know, attitude on. 
You know, CSI New York, CSI LA, CSI... Well, CSI Middle East. So he's got his CSI attitude on. And he is approaching this account of Jesus with that kind of integrity and intensity of investigation. And he's using the best tools that he had at that time through oral tradition and going and speaking to the ones who were there and saw and made the claims. And he himself is backing up his own experience by doing this. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, obviously someone that he's in relationship with, so that, it's only two little words and they're in lowercase, but if you, when I read it, I read it with a big capitalization. I've, I've, I've made this account so that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. Do we know with certainty in an age of great cynicism, of great rejection of all things spiritual and particularly of the church today, do, do we know for certain are we able to be the ones who, in the midst of a cynical world, be the ones who say, well, I know this for sure? Certainty is something that I think um, constantly is under attack in our relationship with God, in the world in which we live. And it, and it leaves us in a place of cynicism. But Luke is writing to address that very spiritual dynamic so that you can contend with all things cynical that may be in your own heart and mind or coming against you through the, your work peers or even extended family or just aggressive spiritual experiences of the enemy that want to rob, steal and kill anything that has to do with Jesus in your life. Let's pick up in verse, uh, verse uh, 26. It's up there on the screen. You can follow along if you haven't got your Bible with you. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You'll be with a child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High." The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. That's an emphatic statement. Mary's replies, How will this be, she asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you 
and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Another emphatic statement. (laughs) Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And as as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believed that what the Lord had said to her will be accomplished. That's this is so. This isn't just sort of storytelling, like let's write a great epic of Disney. Okay, this is intelligent, Luke using the schools of his scientific investigation that he had available to him at that time, and he went with that skill base and he interviewed people. And he proved, the reason why he wrote this account was that we would know, or Theophilus, his friend to whom he is writing, you can change the name Theophilus and put in your name if you like, so that we would know for certain this is the account of God's good news. This is what took place. Now, I have often, I have to confess, I have often stood in front of groups, be it in front here or in front of groups of young people or children or wherever we've trekked over planet Earth, and stood in front of people and said, well, our gospel message is this. God's kingdom is at hand. And you need to change the, change the way you think about that, repent, and believe in this as good news. And by the way, it began because there was a virgin who had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a child, and it was God's son on the earth. Now, to the natural ear, to the natural ear, that just sounds incredibly ludicrous. And yet, to our understanding, you know, we, we think this is folly, and yet the folly of God, if we were to put it in that category, is the very thing that ended up going to the cross, being crucified, dying, and on the third day, rising to life. We, we, we need to push this constantly away, this, oh, that's just dumb, that's just unintelligent, that's just silly, that's not provable, that's not, because we live in this, 
very Greek world of rational thinking where faith is, 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 is kicked to the side. And yet, now more than ever, our world in all its wisdom and all of its human philosophy, God doesn't need a breakthrough of the kingdom of God and desperately needs this message. This child that was born, this Christ child, he grew to be the man that we know as Jesus Christ, who grew to be the one who performed many signs, wonders, healings and deliverances, and who fed thousands with just a few bits of bread and fish, who re restored and redeemed people's lives, and then went on to conquer death itself. Him, he is the message. He is the one that Luke is, is, is trying to help us to understand. You need to know for sure. They, need to, they needed to know back then when he wrote this. Even more so do we need to know this now. I want to poke this morning. I want to poke at that cynical way of us. I want to poke at those low levels of anticipation that we have for God and his kingdom. I want to poke at the fact that you've got family members who continue to reject God. I want to poke at that, where you've given up on that. I want to poke at that and invite you to repent and turn and, and change the way you think and receive the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ, that God's kingdom can establish itself in that person's life. I want to poke into those circumstances that you're all walking through that just continue to stand in front of you and say, I am not changing. I'm not moving away. I want to poke at that low level of anticipation because unfortunately, what we have done, our anticipation is low. And that's because we've, we've, we've put our expectation on what we think should happen, not the message of the declaration of the gospel of the kingdom, that God's at work. See, I live in a story and you live in a story and you live in a situation and an account that, that we don't know for certain. Because if we knew it for certain, we would keep walking with faith and conviction and authority that our God is good, his story is true, Christ does live, he does have the power to set me free, he can provide anything and everything I need because with God, all, thing is, all things are possible. Nothing is impossible. Where are we living? What worldview are we living in? And have we settled for just cynicism? Where our expectation has been shaped by what is not happening rather than our expectation being based upon the history of the goodness of God in the earth, that on day dot he spoke and the earth was created and the heavens and the earth were established and the spirit brooded over the waters, even as the spirit brooded over Mary that day. Is that the worldview in which we're living? Are we living in the worldview of the God of Israel who saw and heard the cry of the oppressed people in Egypt and said, I will set you free? 
and brought them out through a great deliverance where all of the gods of Egypt, all of the gods of Egypt, every single one of them was defeated in that deliverance experience of Israel coming out of Egypt. Of the God who, who, who continued to say to his, you know, to his people, I will give you a home. I will be your God. I'll walk with you. I'll be your king. I'll provide for you. And he did. And, and he did and he did and he did as the accounts tell us all through the Old Testament. These, these are not humdrum stories. These are the accounts from the very beginning that Luke has investigated so that we would know with certainty that what we have been taught is true. Our God who gave Israel a, a land to call home and, and then that was you know, established and yet through their own brokenness and sin and the pagan activities of the, the cultures in which they invaded and then they started to make agreements with, it all got messed up. And they ended up being exiled. But even in their exiled, crushed, broken state, where once they had tasted of God and now they found themselves oppressed and lost, right into that, God sends his prophets and he says, don't worry, I will restore you. And then he sends the Messiah, Jesus, the fulfillment of all that they had longed for, their great deliverer. What, what worldview are we living in? Because the, the, the power of the enemy of this age wants to tell you, don't, don't believe this. But there is power in this book, in this word. If we would just take the time to investigate it and actually put ourselves into that worldview by faith, at the end of the day, it is, an, it is a situation where we must, by faith, we are saved. In other words, we have to choose to say, I believe, even as Mary did that night when she had an encounter with Gabriel and that Elizabeth said, blessed are you because you actually believe that what God has said, it's going to be accomplished. That word blessed in the Greek there means happy. Happy. You want a happy life? Actually believe that what God has said he will do in our life will be accomplished. You know, I, I, I think about the, the story of God through Vineyard Pine Rivers it blows my mind the things he has done over the years. You know, we had a dream once from God that he would, he would send in this dream that he would send 10,000 people to the vineyard to receive the outpouring of his mercy for their life. I thought that would be a one-time thing. Little did I realize that God does that annually through this place. 10,000 people every year come through this place to be fed, to be prayed for, to receive the mercy of God. That's the story we're living in. Do we know that for certain? 
This, this, this story of God here at Vineyard Pine Rivers continues to blow me away. I remember when God said, you know, I want you to uh, buy this building. I remember that that time we were like, "Wow, God, how are, you gonna, how are we going to do that? <laughs> we, we didn't have too much more to rub together than we do today. We, and we needed like $275,000 as a deposit. But a bit like Mary, I, I, my, my anticipation capacity was, well, how could this be? How, how, how can this be? You're saying this, God. God was saying to Mary, hey, I, through, through the angel Gabriel, hey, the Spirit of God's going to come over you and overpower, overshadow you with his power and you're going to conceive. You're going to conceive the king of the kingdom in your womb. How radical is that? Well, when God said to us, I want you to buy this building for $1.1 or $1.2 million, it was at the time, five years ago, six years ago. And I'm looking at the place and I'm going, looking at the accounts, I'm going, how could this be? How could this be? (laughs) I mean, seriously, God. I had, I had a, a capacity of anticipation and expectation that was here, but I needed one here. <laughs> well, $275,000 came in for the deposit from the people of God, and the building is ours. What story are we living in? How can... Th- how, just think of every moment that you're living in right now where you have heard the voice of God say to you, this is what I'm going to do. And our first response to that has been, how, but how can this be? I don't, I don't have the capacity to be able to conceive that. Well, let the power of the Spirit overshadow you again this Advent. May he come over all of us again and brood and then conceive what it is that God has said he will do with us and do with you, do with me. Our anticipation is often shaped by lack or our inability to see or to perceive or our just general sense of, well, How can this be? I like that little statement that says, um, that Luke, Luke writes here. As the angel Gabriel says it in verse 37. He says, for nothing is impossible with God. Now, I want to make a point of differentiation. Because often we read that as nothing is impossible for God. But the context of that sentence is, nothing is impossible with God. You see, he needed Mary to do what? To bring the kingdom. He needed to do it with humanity. He needs to do it with us. He knows nothing's impossible for him. And we're even actually able to go, hey, nothing's impossible for you. It's a safe declaration. I'm here, you're over there. For you, for you. But Luke, the angel Gabriel, is saying, no, nothing's impossible with God. 
The context is one of relationship and partnership with the heavens being established in the earth. Nothing's impossible with God, with you and God, with us and God, with me and God. Nothing is impossible in that relationship context. Nothing. Even though circumstance and the cynicism of this world and the enemy of God would say, forget it, and pushes hard back against that, that d- declared truth. We rest not in what's not happening. We rest in what has happened. Jesus has come. Jesus has died. Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. This is a sensible account of that happening. And we rest in that. And by faith, we join with that reality and we speak to every circumstance and situation and life event that wants to rally against that truth and we say, no, 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 you don't understand. You don't know God like I know God. Because with God, nothing's impossible. I'm sure you've got a situation, maybe just one situation, I got probably, I got a heap of them. Just one, just maybe you've just got one situation right now where you're thinking, it's just, it's just impossible. And just quietly in your heart, you're going, yeah, I know it's not impossible for you, God. Well, this Advent, let God take us from the for you, God, and drag us into the intimacy of with God. And let's see him do remarkably profound things that will change our lives forever and break us out again of that cynical way, that old crust. There's so many stories, but I can't conceive it. You know, I remember I I was um, 10 years ago, this Christmas 10 years ago, uh, was it 10 years ago? Yeah, it would have been 10 years ago. Um, I'm just going to tell a story on Caitlin here. I hope she doesn't mind. I, preachers should never talk about their children, but I'm going to trust there's some grace there. But 10 years ago, Caitlin entered a colouring-in competition. And, and, and this colouring-in competition was like the Lord Mayor's, uh, the, sorry, the Pine River's Mayor Christmas colouring-in competition. And the prize was that uh, you got to hop in Santa's sleigh and go down the main street of Pine Rivers with Santa. And everyone was lining the streets and, you know, hey, Santa, and you got to sit next to Santa. Well, Caitlin decided she wanted to go in that competition. And guess what? She won it. She won it. She's such an artist. And, and, and the crazy thing is, so I'm like proud dad running down the street with the camera every 50 metres, trying to keep in front of Santa's sleigh. But the crazy thing was, it finished down at Pine Rivers Park. And there was like about seven to 10,000 people in the crowd that night. It was just massive. Guess who gets to get on stage with Santa? My girl. My girl does. And I'm sitting there, and I turned to Nick, and I was like, I can't believe this. I can't believe it. I couldn't conceive it. How could this be? 
I couldn't have planned it. I couldn't have made, I couldn't make it happen. I couldn't, I couldn't twist someone's arm. I couldn't, Here, here's a few bucks. Can we make this happen? I couldn't make it happen. I can't believe this is happening. I've done absolutely nothing other than encourage my daughter, yeah, have a go at it. See, yeah. And boom, there she is. And I'm just like, this, this is... This is, our, this is our journey of faith. So often we're in this place of, I, I just can't, I can't conceive it, but then at the same time we end up in these great glorious moments of, I can't believe it, it's just actually happened. Have you ever prayed for the sick and someone actually got healed? And your first response is, I can't believe it, it actually happened. Well, yes, that we might know for certain We don't pray with cynicism. We don't pray with low anticipation. We pray with certainty. We look for God with certainty because our God has shown himself historically and in our own story time and time and time again, he comes through. And even when it feels and looks as though he hasn't come through, even there he carries us through. Even then he carries us through. How is your anticipation or expectation level? That was really good to think back on that. I enjoyed thinking back on that. Thanks, Kate. I just want to quickly run to that. There's a slide there. Keep going, Pat. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. More. We're really running through it now. Let's go. You getting all that, folks? Okay, stop. Whoop, one back. There we go. Alrighty. Um, I just want to give you just a few little helpful tools if you are wanting this Advent to have that anticipation and expectation of God grow in your in your heart and life again. Position. The first thing is this: position is everything. Oh, sorry, Pat. Do you want to go back, back one? Position is everything. It's, that, it's, it's, it's a bit like that old saying, you know, uh, you can have the oldest house on the best street or, you know, and, you get, and you'll scoop up when you sell. Why? The house isn't much chop. It's because it's a position. Position is, a, is, is an important thing. And in this, in this account where Mary meets with the angel and she partners with the possibility of God in her circumstance and the Holy Spirit's work, she positions herself. And her position is this, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. In other words, Lord, your servant... I'm your servant, and I want everything to happen to me as you have said. Not as I'm telling you how it is, but as you're telling me how it's going to be. I'm just going to surrender my life to your lordship. Some of us just need to surrender our lives to Jesus again as Lord. That means master and king. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Advent is a really great time 
to reposition your heart and your life. And may God invite us all to do that. Okay, next one, Pat, to finish off with. To build that sense of anticipation and expectation, it's a daily life of preparation. Luke 1.39, after God said all this to her and the Spirit was going to come over her, her first actions were, at that time, Mary got ready. Get ready. I mean, you're all getting ready with your Christmas trees and you're cleaning the house and you've got family coming over, so you're going to have to borrow some chairs from Uncle Who to get enough seats and enough plates and china and all, all that stuff. You, you're, getting, you're getting ready because why? Because there's an event coming. It's that same attitude. Mary went and got ready. What's the, what's the Lord asking you to get ready with? How, how, how is he asking you to partner with him, to position yourself as his servant? Okay, I need to get ready because you're about to break in, Lord, with your kingdom for my circumstance and life. And we don't just live that for the odd event. We live that every moment our feet hit the floor first thing in the morning. God, I'm waking up, I'm putting my feet on this floor, and even as I put my feet on the floor, I am readying myself for the inbreaking of your kingdom today. Have we stopped getting ready? It's a life of faith. It is one where it is, well, I know it's not possible for me, and I know it's very possible for you. So together, let's see the possibility of God occur. It's a life of faith. It's a life of worship and declaration. We didn't go into this, but Mary writes this fantastic song, and you, I could only imagine what it would have sounded like when she sang it. And then finally, it's a life of partnering with the accomplishing love of God. Blessed is she who has believed that what he, the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Have we let our own cynicism or the work of the enemy rob us of what we once believed God would do with our life. Wow, my situation's changed. I couldn't possibly, he couldn't possibly do that now. No. No. God doesn't waste a word and it doesn't return to him empty. Many of you have had prophecies spoken over you and into you many times over many years. And for some, they still sit in the good soil of your heart waiting for the breakthrough to come and the establishment of them. Get ready. Get ready. Partner with God again. Come into relationship with him again. Don't let your own cynicism or that of the enemy or this world rob you of everything God has said I've saved you for and I've entered into your life for. It will be accomplished. It will be accomplished. Position yourself again this Advent. Now, I, I'm going to play a quick little video to you. And this is just a little... Um, it's actually taken from a little bit of teaching that John Wimber once did at a conference many, many years ago. And someone's come along and put a cartoon to it so that it's, it's made for anybody of any age to be able to hear what John was saying. But there's this one little catchphrase at the end. One little catchphrase. 
And that's where I'm going to finish off in a second. All right, Pat, let's um, up the volume on that and go for it. Great little bit of teaching there from John. Some great illustration. But he just says there, and I just figured it might as well be us. And I just figured it might as well be me. How about you? We don't want to just sing about it. We don't want to just cry about it. We don't want to just give to it. We don't want to just believe it was done once. But we want to live this stuff every day. Who, who, who would like to be one of the... Well, I, I figured it might... I, I, can, I want to do that. It might as well be me. It might as well be me that knows for certain that you are good, Jesus. You're a great king and you want me to change the world because you've spoken it into my heart and you want me to partner with you in all of the impossible circumstances in which I live and break the powers of, of cynicism to see your good kingdom come. Who, who would like to enter into that? Why don't you stand? We'll just pray for you. Let's just pray for you.